Hello, what's your point? You know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, Garnett, the important role that you're playing on WPKN in not simply independent journalism but making sure voices get out. The reality is that as we talk about social media and criticism and hashtags, conversation, like deep dialogue about these issues is really what we're going to need if we're going to ever get to that point of reimagination. So I just wanted to, to thank you. You know, we've got a list for the revolution, um, and that revolution really is going to uh, have to be one that allows us to, to conquer these inequalities and move forward as, as, a, as a nation as a whole, but also as a community united. Okay, thank you so much. very important for the continuation and maintenance of a democracy. One should be tolerant of all views different to yours. It is much better to use words to settle differences than with weapons. You see, weapons destroy human beings. When all these differing views are put together, Consensus should be found to move the nation forward together for one common cause. At the end of an argument, we may disagree, but not become disagreeable. Hello, good morning, and uh, welcome to another What's Your Point right here on WPKN. I am your host, Garnet Anchor, and uh, um, let's get through with my quote of for today. Get it out of the way. And it comes from Haile Selassie. It says here, We should accept diversity in culture and tradition and coexist peacefully. And uh, my guest on the show this morning I consider a self-made lady at age seven. Not many children know that they want to, whatever they want to become, you know, but she knew. My guest is a licensed life, accident, and health insurance personnel, a top model, and a businesswoman. Samantha Bass, welcome to What's Your Point? Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Connecticut. Indeed, indeed. Um, How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm on the inside for the last several hours, so I'm going to get out and enjoy some of the sun <laughs> later yes. on. Yes, yes. You definitely need to do that today. Okay. Uh, for close to two years, this dreaded pandemic has upended many lives and taken many worldwide. How are you coping with this once-in-a-lifetime deadly virus? I'm just very thankful. I'm thankful to God for keeping me and my family during this time. You know, uh, I've never seen anything like this, but it really makes you appreciate life and makes you value those things that are important. 
you know, there are so many people that are losing their loved ones. And, you know, it's just a time for us to really cherish family and friends. Indeed, indeed. So uh, so, so what, do, what steps are you taking to uh, prevent yourself from contracting this deadly virus? Well, I'm still um, practicing social distancing. I'm really not out and about. You know, I'm spending a lot of time at home with my family, with my mom, my daughter, just spending a lot of time at home. It really brought us back to basics. You know, we always spend so much time ripping and running and trying to go from here to there. It just made us sit back and relax and go back to the basics, the comforts of home. Indeed. At age seven, you knew you wanted to go down that catwalk. Please take us back to that moment and uh, your first gig at seven. Take us back to that time. Okay, sure. Um, like you mentioned, I did my first fashion show when I was seven years old. And when I finished the fashion show that day, I told my mom that that was it for me, that I would be a top model. And so I told her that she had to go and find me an agent so that I could, you know, start working and, and start making some money for us. So God bless her heart. She did go out and find me an agent at that time. But um, it was during a time during the late 70s when racism was still very high. And um, I attended a modeling agency, but I wasn't comfortable because I was the only black model in the class at the time. And I just wasn't comfortable. And so I told my mom that I didn't want to go back. And so I didn't actively start pursuing my modeling career again until I was 37 years old. Um, I got married. I had children and I had a family at the time, you know, so I wanted to make sure that I was focused on being a mom and taking care of my children and I didn't want anyone else doing that job. So I basically put my modeling career on hold until my children got older. Um, and my marriage did end in divorce, but I have three amazing children from the relationship. And so I'm very thankful for that. Yes. So I was, I was 37 years old when I signed with John Casablanca back in 2009. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a okay. little while. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. No, that's all right. That's okay. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, okay, you mentioned earlier about racism, but uh, and abetted, it's, been surface, it's been under the surface for a while, but it was aided and abetted and uh, fueled by this former president and so it, it's it's way out and it's people are just not afraid these days to show you and tell you all racist there and um well i just i just want to i just want to say that i do stand against racism and discrimination of any kind indeed and indeed. um yes yes um the world is full of a variety of different people different cultures nationalities and we all have to stand together as one and respect each other Indeed, and as my quote earlier on, I'm going to repeat it, it says, we should accept diversity in culture and tradition and coexist peacefully. And indeed, we should all be doing that as we speak. And um, have you any word of encouragement for that little girl or, for instance, that little boy who might be listening and say, you know what, I want to become a top model. What can I do to, to become one? What would be your, your advice to that boy or that girl? Follow your dreams. Um, network, get in touch with modeling agencies, modeling agents, and, and try to get as much information as you can from the internet. Um, do your own research and just, um, you know, stay strong and committed to your dream. 
Indeed. And uh, so in, nine, in, in 2009, you graduated from the, the John Casablancas Modeling and Career Center. Tell us about your time there. Oh, it was amazing. Um, I definitely want to thank John Casablanca and Tina Canary and her team over there. Um, they have an excellent training program. And um, it was like a dream come true for me just to be there, to be actually um, living my dreams. Um, so I'm very thankful for the time that I spent there. And when I graduated from um, my training program, they hired me as an instructor. So I was actually teaching classes there as well for a couple of years. Indeed. You are in touch with WPKN Radio. The show is What's Your Point? My guess is Hartford's own top model and businesswoman, the beautiful Samantha Bass. I am Garnet Anchor. Uh, you have experience in movie, television, radio, video, and public speaking. Which of those media would you say you are most comfortable? Um, I would say public speaking. Um, I enjoy speaking from my heart. Usually when I'm going out and I'm speaking to a group of people, I don't usually write down a, a speech or, or a, you know, agenda. I usually just speak from my heart and I share my story. So it, I really enjoy um, going out and encouraging women, men, children um, to pursue their dreams. Uh, for your achievement and leadership qualities in your field, you received the Albert Nelson Marcus Lifetime Achievement Award. You're also in the Marcus Uzu. Tell us a little about Marcus Uzu. Um, so Marquis Who's Who is a biographer, and um, they have been documenting my life since 2018. And um, as you mentioned, um, I have been recognized by them as their Lifetime Achievement Award. In 2019, I was Who's Who in the World. In 2020, I was Who's Who in America. And so I definitely want to thank them for um, the acknowledgement, um, the recognition, so basically, they will document my life for the rest of my life. Anything that I do in my career, uh, I let them know what I'm doing, and they update my biography. They will update my uh, my family and future generations, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. All of their names will be added to my biography through Marquis Husu. Okay, so Marquis has done wonders for you and your career, what do you say? Yes, they have. Yes, they have. When you just started out, uh, uh, had you ever thought about entering the Connecticut uh, pageant in order to enter the Miss World contest or the Miss Universe pageant? Um, yes, I did. But at the time, I was actually over age. So I pretty much had to reach my status in the industry in a different way. I had to go about it in a different way because I was so much older than all of the age requirements for um, the competitions. And so uh, Top Model Worldwide in London, uh, they actually, um, they have an age range that I was able to um, compete in London. And so I was very fortunate and, and thankful that I had that opportunity. Okay, you want to tell us some more about that? 
Um, sure. So, um, like you said, there are competitions in Connecticut, but by the time I started my career, I was already 37 years old. So I searched the Internet and I started looking for competitions that had women age, you know, over age 40. And so luckily I found Top Model Worldwide in London and I entered the competition and I was selected to represent the USA um, as a top model for um for the international model search in, in London. Indeed. Uh, you're a former chairperson of the All Hartford, a chapter of the All Ladies League in New Delhi, India, the world's largest women's movement in the, for the welfare, wealth and well-being of all through global friendship. Uh, you were featured on the cover of Stardom 101 magazine in 2007. Tell us about that time with All Hartford. Okay, All Ladies League is um, is like a, a group of women who are, it's a lifetime, I have a lifetime membership with them and it's in New Delhi, India. So basically I go over there and I speak at a women's conference over there and we share our stories. We all um, talk about how we became who we are and what journey, what our journey was like um, to be where we are. And so I basically network with women, influential women from all over the world. So, okay, so you've been to, to, to New Delhi to represent the All Hartford uh, uh, chapter. Uh, so how many times uh, did you go? Um, I have been to India twice now and I spoke in uh, Goa, I spoke in New Delhi and um, it's just a beautiful beautiful place and the people of India they really embrace me with open arms I have like an open invitation to go back at any time that I would like to go back and visit with them so um, it's just been a blessing Indeed and uh, you know excuse me if you don't mind you know are you, would you say you're of Indian descent? No I'm not. Oh, you're not. My mom is African American, okay. my father is African American um, okay. But there, I, I do have other other races, but okay. um, you know, yes. I, so, but I am not Indian. Yes, I, I'm curious though about what caused you to, to join this All Hartford uh, chapter of the All Ladies League. What what inspired you to to want to be a part of that organization? Actually, um, Vene Rai, my friend over there, now he actually reached out to me through uh, social media on Facebook and he invited me to come over and be their guest and speak to the women and women over there about my story to share my story with them. And so that was in 2015, I believe. And so I went over there 2015 and I believe 2016 and I haven't been back over since. And with the pandemic, I don't know when I'll go back to visit again, but I, I hope to go back and visit one day. Okay. And, uh, uh we know, so, sorry, go ahead. You so so they had uh, Vene and his wife, Harbin, they asked me to start up um, a branch of their organization here in Hartford. And so I did that. But um, at the time, um, it, I just really didn't have um, the interest of people to just come out. And, and I wanted it to be where it was about um, building up the community and you know, doing outreach or just having people to come in and speak with different people in the entertainment industry to try to 
educate them about, you know, how to break into the industry. But I just couldn't get people, you know, to inter- to be interested and tap into it. So I, I just, um, I, I don't do that anymore. But I am still affiliated with All Ladies League in India. Indeed. And uh, as we all know, women are discriminated against all over the world, which is which is something we should try to reduce or to end. With that said, I'm surprised that the largest democracy in the world, uh, India, had a woman prime minister called Indira Gandhi. She herself was assassinated. And uh, in neighboring Pakistan, another former prime minister, Benazir Bhutu, was assassinated uh, while she campaigned for election. You know, I'm saying this to say that, you know, women have been victimized the world over. When it's time that people, we men, are going to realize that women should be taken charge now. Because for the last how many number, hundreds of years, White men have been dominating this world and destroy this world. It's, I think right now, seriously, it's time for women to take over. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree. Women are definitely taking over the world. We are, we are strong. We are confident. We're beautiful. And we have so much knowledge to share with the world. And it's so much more to us than just being wives and moms. You know, we have, we have, we bring so much to the table. And so I encourage women all over the world to just get out there, you know, conquer your dreams, conquer your fears. Don't be afraid to just be the best that you can be. So, you know, it's going to take time to, to, to move to where we want to see women in leadership position all over the world. What do you think as a starter we could do to, to, to make that you know, transition a better place. We, we saw a, 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 a woman who ran for president some time ago and they dehumanized her, they did a lot of bad things to her. So what, as people, what can we do to make things better for women who want to take up leadership positions, not only here in the United States, but all over the world? Support women, you know, support the women in your life. Women are strong. We're strong, you know, and we can endure a lot. But we also need support. We need support from our families. We need support from our spouses if we have spouses. Um, you know, so just support the women in your life and, and try to help them to be who they are trying to be. Uh, you're in touch with WPKN Radio. The show is What's Your Point? My guest is Hartford's own top model and businesswoman, the beautiful Samantha Bass. I am Garnet Ankle. And um, you, you, are, you want to just tell us a little about the type of business you're doing right now? What, what are you doing in terms of business? What, what, what is your, 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 your business line at this time? Um, well, I will always be, you know, the top model, but I am also in the ins- insurance industry. I have 20 years insurance experience. Um, I'm a licensed insurance agent in the state of Connecticut. I'm licensed to sell life accident and health insurance, but I have actually worked for one of the leading insurance companies in the USA for the past 15 years. So for the past 15 years, I've um, dedicated myself to educating people about the importance of insurance, life insurance, disability insurance. It's very important that you insure yourself, you know, insure yourself so that you can take care of your families. And uh, so you're currently doing that job. Would that be true? That's true. I'm tr- currently an account manager. I love what I do. Um, I work for a great company, uh, and um, 
like I said, I feel that what I do every day is valuable because I educate people about the importance of insurance. Indeed. And uh, I know you're a lady who is very close to family. Your mom is very close to you, your children, that kind of thing. You want to just tell us some more about your mother or your children? Oh, yes, yes. My mom. I wouldn't be the woman I am today without my beautiful mother and my beautiful, beautiful mom. Um, she is actually 90 years old, and I am so blessed and thankful to have her. Um, she has always been my number one fan, my number one supporter, and like I said, I just owe everything that I am to my mother. So, Mommy, I love you so much, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all the sacrifices you made for me. Um, I do have three amazing children. My stepson, Tyla Wortham, um, my daughter, Connor Wortham, and my baby girl, Haley Wortham. So I spend a lot of time now just trying to um, support them and what they're doing and trying to help them reach their goals and accomplish their dreams. Um, both of my daughters are actually rap rappers. So they're in the studio writing music and make making music. So that's what they love. And uh, my son, he's uh, he's in IT. Okay. And so, so, yeah. Sorry. And uh, your daughters, you want to tell us their names? And uh, are they have they done any recordings as yet? Oh, yes. Yes. So my daughter, uh, Connor, she's a real Chanel. And um, she writes music. She's a singer and she's also a rapper. And then my baby girl, Haley, is uh, following her big sister's footsteps. And uh, she's young Hales. And so they're, you know, they're out here. They're getting started. Um, and um, I just try to now spend a lot of time encouraging them and just trying to help them to reach their goals. And I'm sure you're right behind them a thousand percent, yes. are you? Thank you. Thank you. Every generation has to make the family better. So it, I told them, I said, I did what I could do, and now it's your turn. Indeed. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that the generation that follow must be better than the generation that, that pass. If we want to make this world a better place, you know, the people who follow us should be better than us in every respect. And if we continue to be that way, the world would be a better place to live. Yes, I totally agree. I did I did everything I wanted to do in this life. Everything I wanted to do, I already did it. So now I spend my time trying to get my kids where they want to be. Come on, you're not an old woman. You have a lot more I, life I'm to live. Old. I'm not old, but, but okay. everything that I had on, on my um, bucket list, I did those things. Okay. All right, any parting shots, anything else you want to say to us before we say so long for today? Um, I just want to say, you know, continue to love yourself, be an encouragement to other people, follow your dreams, and just, you know, be everything that you can be in this life because tomorrow is not promised. And thank you so much for having me this morning. You are so welcome. Samantha Bass, it was my pleasure having you on What's Your Point this morning. You are an inspiration to women and people in general. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. You too. Thanks again. Uh, you've been listening to a conversation uh, with myself and uh, Samantha Bass, uh, Hartford's own top model and uh, businesswoman, indeed. And I uh, hope you find that conversation inspiring.
whether you're a man or woman. And uh, we still have some time to go, as promised earlier. We'll open the phone lines for you to call in. Or the telephone number is 203-336-9756. Yes, I, I know politics is in the air, but I try my best to... You know, do other things, you know, because people don't want to always hear about politics, want to hear about other things. So I try to get somebody in who can vibes up the place, so to speak. All right. So the telephone number to get in touch, 203-336-9756. And uh, we'll be on until around about uh, 9.55 or a little before. So we have to get out off the way at 9.55 this morning. So you're in touch with uh, What's Your Point with your truly Garnet Ankle. And the next time What's Your Point will be on is on Sunday, November 21 at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we may just be in our new studios. Who knows? Yeah, so we're working and um, members of staff are working very hard behind the scenes to relocate us to our downtown spanking brand new location. So keep listening to the radio and you'll hear uh, when we've finally moved to our new location. Again, the telephone number to get in touch, 203-336-9756. That's 203-336-9756. And you know... I, I, I always want to tell you that, um, you know, people talk about, uh, let's get out of the telephone and uh, get back to that thought. Another one. Okay, that person has left us. All right, so we're going to ask you to, let me see if you're still here. Okay, hello, good morning. Oh, that person is no longer there. So I'm going to ask that you, okay, let's see what's happening here. It's uh, 203-336-9756 is the number to get in touch. So I I know you were calling a short while ago. Uh, You may call back. The telephone number is 203-336-9756. Let's get back to the telephone. Hello, good morning. What's on your mind? Hello? Yes. uh, I'm going to ask you to turn your radio down, please. It's causing a serious feedback here. Yeah. Please go ahead. Good morning, Garnet. Good morning, sir. And how are you this this fine Sunday? I'm fine, thank you. And you? You know, I appreciate you every every time I listen to you, ever since I found you coming to, uh, you know, moving to Connecticut. Uh, why is that so, if you want to tell me? Oh, well, it's the fact that you, you allow others, you know, a platform. You, you know, you are a voice and, you know, you can actually change lives. So that's why I appreciate you. As you mentioned, all, all you know, it's a dialogue that's missing and... Uh, why I appreciate you, uh, Garnet, is because you know you do provide it. Indeed, thanks. Yeah. So, any thoughts for today? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I uh, I did call earlier, but uh, I thought you were gonna just set uh, a bit of a, a premise. That's why I, ha- I hung up. But I, I think I understand where you're at. So, you know, my point. What is my point today? Um, 
I wanted to just ask some questions and then address address this very simply in a situation, task, action, results sort of a response. So what's my point? I wanted to say, you know, uh, the questions today should be things like, what is success? What is prosperity? Uh, what's um, property? And of course, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure such a thing exists, but what is the commerce of life? Okay. Um, I did hear you say earlier that, uh, you know, they did bad to her. I would like for you to remain open because they did bad to him as well. Um, Garnet, my point is immediate solutions for life. And we're talking about, you know, life, which should be spiritual, eternal, eternal and everlasting. That's how I'm kind of looking at this. So for me, what's the situation? I just feel that at some point <clears throat> we have to understand that our this country, America, which I am a citizen of, um, I, I was educated here, uh, went to an all-boys Jesuit uh, preparatory school uh, in the Bronx, Fordham Preparatory. But I do understand that, you know, the country was founded on actually a philosophy and a, a bit of a theory. Sorry, and sorry, could I just, just break in a little? This country was founded on slavery. No. Yes. Uh, yeah. No. This, yeah. No. Seriously, this country was founded on slavery. I mean, before that, it, we had in this place Native Americans. White people came and stole it from them, and in, and and took my four parents from Africa. That's 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 that that's the 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 history. A lot of people don't want want us to know. That is what took place. So this country was founded on slavery. Even people, oh. even black people are talking, no, it was founded on slavery, and that's a fact. Go ahead and check the history. Go ahead. Okay. So, I am I'm willing to, again, uh, understand where you are coming from when it comes to the foundation. I know you are referring to colonialism. You're referring to industrial capitalism. You're referring to Western imperialism. And mm. evil, right, and a wickedness that we all know. That's against someone, his family, and his children. Now, my point is that I'm going to go with history, 1762, and that's before 1776. So, yes, if you want to say the country was founded on something terrible or evil, well, sure, in 1776 it was. I'm sorry, 1762 it was. But then when we move forward, we have to see, like in 1779, around the world, it was the rights of man. This is worldwide. You know, Japan had its rebellion. We had our rebellion. Everyone's having their rebellion. But you have to move forward. True, but at the same time, can you imagine people here, white men, and, and, and women were not involved because women had no say. They're like second-class citizens to their husband even if they're white women they had no say they were like second class citizens you should understand that so while that was going on black people were being oppressed in slavery on this land these same people were talking about what separating from england because of the oppression why they were oppressing people how presumptuous could these people be the truth must be told go ahead okay so i must mention that in 1790 it was 59,557, almost 7.9%. Non-slave population, black community, I have to use the word, but also I have to mention in 1860, 488,070, 11% non-slave 
blacks around the Civil War time. And these are the things that I don't understand why we don't know that half a million free blacks at the time of the Civil War were doing things, doing normal things that we do today, successful, prosperous. But it went away. It went away in the Civil War where we know about 650,000 people died. What type of people? I would say just good people. Now, I, I want to address that I do know we all are aware. Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Madison, they all own their slaves. But we also know, even in our good book, slavery, a commerce, there were three ways to have slaves. And one of them was evil and wicked, we know. Yeah, no, look here. But my point is... Oh, listen, sorry, I don't want to really interject too much, but... Slavery was wrong in all its forms. There's no excuse for slavery. It was wrong. And if, if black people are doing it, it would still be wrong. Slavery was wrong. It was the worst thing you could ever do to people is to, is to keep them beyond the, their will. Take them, forcibly take them from a country, from their own land, into a faraway land. And not only that, separate them. That is the most dangerous thing. Sep so all the mothers and fathers' children are separated. They're all separated. So that is dangerous. There's no excuse for slavery. There's no apology for slavery. Slavery in all its forms were wrong. Go ahead. Okay. So now, because that is so, that is exactly my point. Thank you very much for leading us there. Because we knew that on the inception of this place, this America, we knew that this experiment was based upon the ideas, or I should say it's ideas and values, principles, it's like a voluntary inclusion, but what was the problem? What was coming to America before 1776? Well, it was the displacement of slavery, human trafficking, meaning, you, you know, the idea of, okay, that's not good. It's merely not good to have the, an idea of slavery, commerce, someone, your property. But then we know what was the, what was the issue. You, you okay. want to put a wrap on it because I want to take another call, but just okay. another minute. Just wrap up in another minute, please. I will wrap it up this way. Uh -huh. A constitutional republic is what we need, not this democratic republic. Why? Because we get into what's known as relative, relative income uh, and wealth and power uh, uh, gaps. Okay. You don't so, want relative. Right, so we, we, we'll take this up another time, all right? So we'll, yes, we'll we continue this conversation another time. So thanks again Thank for calling. Thank you so much. Carl. You're welcome. Okay. Be well. You too. Thanks. Hello. Good morning. You're on. What's on your mind? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. Thanks good. for taking my call. Robert here. You know, one of the most important things that we need to understand and talk about is uh, history and uh, certainly the recent uh, taking down of all these statues. Uh, many of them were in the South, uh, the names of universities that have been there for many years that were the names of slave holders, slave traders uh, throughout the whole country, whether they're parks. You know, it, I, I really couldn't really get what the prior caller was talking about. You know, it's no coincidence that this country wanted to become an independent country at the time that the slave trade had increased dramatically. If you look at the, 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 I mean, this whole country was built on slavery. I totally agree with you. And if it wasn't for the slave trade, the colonies would never have considered becoming independent. And, and most of the 
so-called great founding fathers were slave owners. I think George Washington married into slavery, but his enslaved people weren't released after he passed away, even though his will said it. Uh, John Madison, I don't think he uh, was an owner of en enslaved people. But I think that, you, you know, I, I would like to do a show at WPKN about uh, history, uh, including local history. And there is currently no show on uh, WPKN radio on history at all. I've contacted the programmers, and uh, I do a lot of history in uh, Bridgeport, uh, including um, I've done work on the Little Liberia Project, which is not online, but I've done, um, uh, I have a timetable of the Native Americans uh, that were from the Bridgeport area. Um, which don't have federal recognition. They have state recognition. Um, but uh, I think that we need to have more awareness about history. Indeed. And I think that the powers that be are not really interested. Indeed. You know, and um, while you're here, we can talk about history. You, you're this platform to talk right now as we speak. And, you know, it's important, you know, people need to understand that history is important because we learn from history so as not to repeat the bad things of the past. If we can learn and say, okay, this happened, so in order for us not to repeat those bad things, we can learn from what took place in X, Y, Z, so we can move forward to another path. And that's why totally. one of the reasons why history is important. I think that some people, uh, I don't know about the prior caller, but I mean, it can't, be, I think that they teach the history of slavery now in schools, but they didn't when I went to school. And I, I think that, you know, it's just hard to believe. What is it, like 200 or 300 years, even the, the, the so-called, you know, as we approach Thanksgiving, which is a lovely holiday, the Puritans sold off Native Americans to the, to the Caribbean so that, you know, here these, these supposedly great people but, you know, the atrocities that have been committed mostly by, it was white men. And, Indeed. And, and, and we need country. to, we need to, you know, if we're going to be honest and fair, we need to say it. We need to say it. And if it were black people who did it, we have to say it too. Because we have to make sure we speak the truth about history. When we can do that, we can seriously we move forward. And we need to know. And Connecticut actually was the state that produced a lot of agricultural goods. And much of it went down to the Caribbean. Uh, the the, the um, Barbados was the big producer of sugarcane, rum, and molasses, which is what they traded with Connecticut. And uh, it wasn't really profitable to grow agricultural goods there. So Connecticut was part of that. You know, one of the interesting... But Jamaica, Jamaica was a part of that, 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 that situation I, in terms of sugarcane. Right. I read, I read a fair amount of books about the slave trade and the history of slavery, and it's really a way to understand American history. If you haven't read any books about the history of slave slave trade, you, you don't really understand American history. Indeed. Indeed. What do you think? Yes, you're right. You're right. And uh, in order for us to be better people, we've got to understand from whence we came and what took place hundreds of years before us, especially in this country. Because when we speak and say, you know, this country is built on slavery, even black people don't agree. That, 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 that's a fact. It's true. It's very, it's very hard to believe. You know, we need to know exactly as much as we can about the Holocaust, about the Indeed. slave trade. We need to don't know about the atrocities that have been committed in the in in the past. And I think that that's a good point that you that, that, that you raised there. And I, and and uh, you know, I mean, I've uh, actually I'm have a project that I'm working on to document um, who owns slaves in uh, Fairfield County. 
and uh, and whether and to do if I could find uh, more information about the so-called underground railroad here and uh, and how complicit you know you know that and this is my final point uh, you know there's a perception that it was just the South that was involved with. No with the slave trade. There's a book that was written uh, called Complicit, and um, and the Hartford Current, um, after the insurance companies, which Connecticut is known for, they did a public apology and said, look, we apologize for slavery because uh, I've read uh, books about this and that these all of these uh, ships were in- insured, and whether a- a- an African was d- died in the ship or was thrown overboard for whatever particular reason, it had different insurance consequences. Anyway, after the insurance company apologized, the Hartford Current sent people out, three journalists, and said, look, let's find out more about this. And what they found out was that there was a lot of information. And they wrote a book called Complicit and how the North was involved. You know, I mean, obviously, you've got all this cotton. And where do you get it, where do you get it produced? All the textile mills but in the North. Do you and recall? Here, sorry, am I mistaken that the, the Hartford Current also apologized for slavery, too, because they're involved with sla- the slave trade? I don't. I am not aware of the Hartford Current apologizing, but they sent out journalists to cover the official apology by insurance companies from Hartford, you know, that there are so many different different companies. And what they found out was just that it was much more than just writing an article for the for the newspaper. And so these three journalists um, jointly wrote this book called Complicit. And anytime I hear, I was just talking to somebody who said, yeah, I was in New Hampshire. It was an old, in, it was old industrial town. I said, what was it, like a textile industry? They said, yes. As soon as they say that, that is part of the complicity that the North had with the South. This this perception that the that the North was somehow free no. from 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 being from everything all of the atrocities that, that that were involved in the South uh, is, is not correct. You met a slaveholder, Willie Lynch, wasn't he from this part of the world? Willie Lynch. What was his name? Willie Lynch, who came up with the Willie Lynch syndrome to divide and rule and conquer. Maybe you can check that word, check that name. We can go and do some research on him. Willie Lynch. He came up with the Willie I'm Lynch not, syndrome. I'm not aware of that, but but. Okay. Uh, I'll let you go, but you, you know what? I'm do, I've been doing a project about uh-huh. the, uh, the the Little Liberia um, community in uh, in Bridgeport, and I've, uh, I've I'm using the book that was written by former city historian Charles Brovich. Um, I, I was actually nominated to, by him and the prior city historian to be a, the city historian of Bridgeport, but for some reason the powers that be didn't follow through with that. But in this book. It, it documents the Native Americans and the African Americans in this in this community, and I know that there are two houses that are um, being saved by the foundation that's working on that. But I'm more interested in the, in the research side of it to find out what is the story. How can we find out more? Let's use uh, computers and computer programming to really understand it. To to have the descendants and the people. What is the story? You know the first. You know when the when the Native American when the English came here in 1644, just a few years after the Pequot War of 1637, that's when the English settlers were finally able to settle here in Connecticut, and the Native Americans lived here mostly peacefully until the late 1600s, and then they signed away their land. Uh, and of course, you know we know the history of uh, Native Americans signing away their land in some kind of uh, document. That's when Columbus came here. Right. There was a there was an Indian reservation in downtown 
Bridgeport. If you go to my website, blackrockhistory.net. What, what is it called? Blackrockhistory.net. You will find a website there that's the history of the Native Americans who came from this area. And there is a timeline of the Native American reservation, of the Indian reservation in downtown Bridgeport uh, that uh, Charles Brilvich documented. And, and I did a graphic display of this Indian reservation in downtown Bridgeport. They were called, they became uh, called the Golden Hill Indians, the the Pagusset Native Americans, and and through and they had an overseer. And w- many are familiar with the the, the conflict uh, that uh, the was with these so-called overseers that oversaw the the Indian reservation. And there was there's three dates in this image in which the Native Americans' land was taken away from them. And the very last part of the Indian Reservation in downtown Bridgeport is where the location of the Majestic Theater is. And if you go to YouTube and look for for a video, uh, I have a video on YouTube that has like 25,000 hits that's about the Majestic Theater. And I Mm -hmm. went in that theater and I could really feel, you know, there's a river, by the way, that runs underneath the Majestic Theater. And it was also a way that they could cool that theater in the very hot days. The, the, The Majestic Theater, of course, was part of the the national circuit of vaudeville theaters in the 1920s before the beginning of uh, talking movies, which began around 1930. And, and Bridgeport has a big history of, of vaudeville, and I have a website on that, too. Uh, and, so, and so what happened is that in this majestic theater, when it was built, uh, some have said that it was really part of like an Indian burial ground right here in downtown Bridgeport. And when I was in this theater... I really felt I was in the theater all alone once, and I was filming, and uh, I, and it was just really, you know, spooky. feeling what it was like for the spooky? Native Americans to live here. Would you say it was spooky, that kind of thing? Pardon me. Was it like spooky? <laughs> um, you know, I was going to say that, but I, 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 it was a little spooky for me. I, okay. you know, and I think maybe one of these, uh, one of these websites or TV shows has taken my video and 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 talked about there being ghosts in there. But but you know the the, the history of the Native Americans and African Americans in in this country is something that really has to be studied a Indeed. great deal. Now, the benefit the benefit of the African American history is that there's a lot more written than the Native American. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I think that your your average. I mean I think that. A lot of Americans get wrapped up in the propaganda of like the 1776 founding fathers and all this kind yes, of like. Yes, and I, I, I wanted to say that to you too before you go. That you know we're talking about a wonderful this founding. Thank you, guys. Were I call them the founding slave masters? They all held slaves, and not only that, they didn't see black people as people because there's nothing in the constitution for minority. It was only for white people. So it took years later before we have amendment to make black people people because they didn't see black people as people. We were properties know, of the white man. Totally, you know. There, there's a video. Uh, that there's a, I, I go to Yale University and I, I look at the books that they have in their Black Studies program and I've read some of them, and uh, and one of them was by this professor that did. Uh, they found a manuscript and it documents this ship that came from France and how this slave trader began his whole venture, and and you know that the really odd thing is that although Europe did not have the slavery that we did, 
they never saw it because the, 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 they never saw the atrocities because they sent their goods to Africa, mm-hmm. traded them for enslaved people, and then they brought the, the Africans to America, and then they traded those for goods that went back to Europe. So it was like a triangle. But, you know, but what, you, the what? very sad thing is that how could our founding fathers be talking about freedom when they would go back and 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 have slaves on the indeed. on the plantation? Indeed, that was hypocrisy. And you know what I'm saying is that there's no doubt that the document, the United States Constitution, was well written and it's a good document. At the same time, black people were not a part of it. It took years later before amendments were made to make black people people. If it's what I'm saying. You know, it's so sad. You know, there's a professor in Yale University. I, I read a book that he wrote that really says that the Constitution and some other documents are really slave trade documents. And the reason he said that is that it includes certain clauses like interstate commerce, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the Constitution or another document. And that really was a, 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 what they were really talking about is selling um, enslaved people from one state to the other. Yeah. So I, I, I think that really... You know, anytime people glorify the beauty of the American Revolution, then I'm a little, I, you know, I just need to... There's no beauty it. about it. There's, There's no beauty I about mean, it. I do, I know, I do a lot of work about the American Revolution uh-huh. because because BlackRock and my other website, blackrockhistory.org, it's a, it's a website that documents the letters, the spy letters between Caleb Brewster and George Washington because BlackRock played a big role in the American Revolution because we won through intelligence, not through might. Nobody, not even the Spanish Armada, could defeat the English Navy, you know, but and the English military. But, but what's really sad, you know, there's a former state historian, Chris Collier, who wrote these these historic fiction books, and one of them, he wrote some of them which are teens, and one of them he documents, you know, the American Revolution. If you fought, if you were an American, uh, if you were an African American, you were told that you would get your freedom if you fought in the Revolutionary Indeed. War. But they gave you this document, and this this book, uh, historical fiction, documents it, and the and the and the and the slave owner refused to give the document. Yes, I, I spoke of, I spoke about about that earlier in my previous show, uh, solidarity about the, today in Black History, where the the Don the Dunmore Proclamation, where they said um, if Black people would fight, they would get their freedom, that kind of thing. So, but we, we'll have to go now for today. And uh, thank you so much for your call. Thank Very you so interesting much. conversation. I uh, hope you call again. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, hello. Good morning. You're on. What's on your mind? Hello. Yes, Garnet. It's uh, Jimmy Smith again. Yes. Electrical engineer from uh, uh-huh. Connecticut. I just wanted to give you just my four sources of what I was talking about, and that's it. Uh-huh. Is that okay? Uh, we don't have much time, so we'll do no, that no, some other time. Because um, we, we're running out of time. Huh? Oh, come on. Edmund Kirby Smith, The Poor Lion. Uh, and also, and also uh, you know, I attended the American Studies, uh, African American Studies from SUNY Stony Brook. And also yeah, so, so it's going to, sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off, but we've got to go. We can talk again on the 21st of, of, of uh, November, all right? Don't want to cut it. you off, but we have to go right now, all right? Uh, thank you. Forth. Thank you so much, Rico. Uh, this has been uh, What's Your Point? right here on WPKN Radio.
support comes from Fairfield University's Quick Center for the Arts new series, Oren Grossman Presents Afternoons at the Piano. Virtual programs will take place on Fridays at 4 p.m. through November 19th. In these virtual concerts, Grossman will highlight works from Debussy to Chopin. Details and ticket info at fairfield.edu slash tickets or through the box office at 203-254-4010. Up next on the WPKN Environmental Film Series is Fantastic Fungi. This is a wonderfully shot film that begs to be seen on the big screen. Come on down to the Bijou Theater next Wednesday, November 10th at 7 p.m. to see this time-lapse journey into the magical, mysterious, medicinal world of fantastic fungi. Bring your mask. Hope to see you there at the Bijou, Wednesday the 10th at 7 p.m. This is FC Buzz on WPKN Radio. A brief look at what's happening around Fairfield County. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County with our weekly selection from FC Buzz Events, the best guide to arts and culture in coastal Fairfield County. Find it at culturalalliancefc.org. Sunday at 10 and Tuesday at 6 in Tempo, is celebrating its 10th anniversary with screenings of the Unison Cultural Crossover Concert at Stamford's Avon Theatre Film Centre. This unique cultural and musical experience for family and friends of all ages, in which Intempo partnered with the Norwalk Youth Symphony and other guest artists, features a decade of greatest hits, representing diverse music and cultures around the world. A virtual concert link is also available. Sunday, 1 o'clock, at the Norwalk Art Space, meet painter Kelly Rossetti and photographer Joanna Lentini, featured in the current exhibition Between Blurred Lines at the Art Space, in a conversation moderated by David Green of the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Learn what inspired Kelly in Joanna's work and where both artists meet in their visions and goals. Sunday at 2, you are invited to a reception at Fairfield's Art Place Gallery, the non-profit artist-run gallery that shares space with Fairfield Theatre Company, for a member show celebrating the gallery's 40-year anniversary. It includes one wall of small work and varied sizes of work on the others, all in a variety of themes, sizes and mediums on view through January 2nd. Sunday at FTC's The Warehouse, one of the most innovative bands to come out of the MTV era in the early 1980s, The Fix and Fastball will hit the stage at 8 o'clock. This band became a fixture on the American pop charts as one of many British new wave bands that conquered the airwaves in the US at the time. Tuesday, 7.30 on Zoom, Fairfield Public Library hosts music scholar and Beatles professor Aaron Krerowitz for Stairway to Zeppelin, this fun and informative multimedia presentation on the rock band Led Zeppelin 
observes how the Beatles, the Stones and the Yardbirds in the 60s paved the way for Led Zeppelin in the 70s. For details on these and hundreds more events, check FC Buzz events at culturalalliancefc.org. This was FC Buzz on WPKN Radio. Hi, this is Bob Anderson, host of A Little Bit of Everything. Here every first Saturday of the month and every second Friday of the month. And this is WPKN in Bridgeport, 89.5 FM, independent community radio broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport. Also streaming at WPKN.org.